Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church Podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church, located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. I saw a a comic slash joke picture yesterday where it had two dogs sitting next to each other, a big dog and a small dog. And the big dog said, what is a New Year's resolution. And the small dog says, it's a to-do list for the first week of January. And I think that so many of us go like, yeah, that's pretty pretty true. And so every year, a lot of people decide, I'm gonna resolve to do something. I'm gonna make my own resolution for this year. And so you'll see people say, I wanna exercise more or lose weight. I wanna start or stick to a budget. I want to learn a new skill or pick up a new hobby. And just the, the list can go on and on and on. But so often after that, first week, we realize not doing so hot on this. I mean, so many people probably already started their resolutions and quit. Like, I'll start on Monday. I'm going to start on the third. You've got a fresh start tomorrow. But experts would say the reason why so many people start these resolutions and never stick to them is because they're simply not smart. And you might be wondering, like, wait, what? They're not, not that they're not intelligent or good ideas, but they're saying they're, they're not specific. They're not measurable. They're not, they're not you know, um, achievable or realistic or timely. So it's an acronym. They're not smart. And so maybe you have a fitness goal this year. Maybe you have a financial goal this year. But today I wanna talk about spiritual goals. And so for us, what would it look like to strive to be more like Jesus this year than we were last year? How can we spiritually strive to be more like Jesus this year than we were last year? And how do we do that? And that's what we're gonna see today in Luke chapter five. So let's pick up in verse one. Luke chapter five, starting in verse one. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. All right, so here's Jesus, he's by a lake, people are pressing in on him because his teachings are gaining popularity. So his teaching are becoming popular, people wanna hear what he has to say as he teaches the word of God. And so what we see is that people are trying to learn from him. People are pressing in to hear what he has to say, but he needs some space. They're pressing in, so he, maybe he's a hand gesture talker. I don't know, I, I, like to, I like to imagine what type of teacher was Jesus, but he's like, I don't have enough room, so how does he get space? Verse two, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that's Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he hops in Peter's boat, which would have been probably 20 to 30 feet long. And he asks him, hey, would you put this out just far enough to make a, like a makeshift stage so that I can teach? And so now that he has some room, he sits down and he begins to teach this crowd that wants to hear from the word of God. Look at verses four and five. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master. Now take take note of that, that phrase, master. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And so typically fishermen fished at night because the nets were thick and fish can see them. And so in the nighttime, you have a higher probability of catching fish. And so they had fished all night. They had done their work and just got completely skunked. 
So they, they didn't catch a thing. And now Jesus says, hey, just cast your net over the side of the boat. And Simon's like, man, I, I know how to fish. You're a, a carpenter slash itinerant preacher. He didn't say stay in your lane, which he could have. He's like, do you don't know how to fish, Jesus? He's like, but okay, he's like, at your word, I don't necessarily understand it. I'm the fisherman, you're not, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. And so he lets down, <laughs> he lets down his net, verse six and seven. And he says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And so it turns out that Jesus knew something that Peter didn't. The cast is successful, so successful that they have to call other dudes over to help them with the catch. Now, Peter's job would have been to collect fish. If he's staying on task, he's trying to, he would be collecting fish and he would be making sure this boat doesn't sink because that's important for his livelihood. But he realizes that something bigger is at work. So look at verse eight. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He's like, something, something bigger is happening here. And you'll notice in verse five, what does he call Jesus? Master. But what does he call him in verse eight? We see a shift from master to Lord. You see, Peter's beginning to realize more of who Jesus truly is, that he's, just, he's not just a teacher to learn from. He's not just someone who has authority that we should obey and do what he says, but he's Lord and he's worthy of our worship. So Peter comes to his knees in a posture of worship to Jesus. For he had all he and all who were with him, verse nine, were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Right, and so this is the beginning of Jesus's launch team. So if we were gonna like, let's like, let's start a new church, we'd probably gather a launch team. Like, hey, this is gonna be our core team. We're gonna send you guys out to this part of town. We're gonna start a new church. So Jesus is, is starting something new. He's gathering his launch team. He's calling his first disciples. And here, if, like, I want you to think about this. If you were gonna be invited to be on Jesus's launch team, or if you were applying for that job, what would you put on your resume? Like think about your own life. What would you highlight? Well, I, I helped out with the VBS when I was in high school to help out with the kids department. Like I, I, take, I teach children's ministry on Sunday mornings. I've led a small group. I've, I've helped lead worship. Maybe you're trying to think like, what would you put on your resume? If you're like, I want Jesus to put me on that launch team, what would you put? Or let's think that you're Jesus and you're using ZipRecruiter and you're gonna put on just some qualifications. Here's what I'm looking for in my launch team. If you're gonna apply, make sure that you've got these things. If you're Jesus, what would you put on those qualifications? All right, so as Jesus is developing this launch team, what we see is he's not looking for the, the intellectual person who's smart. He's not looking for the wealthy person who's rich. He's not looking for the person who has all the skills of teaching and evangelism. He's, he's not looking for those things. The primary thing that Jesus looks for, the primary qualification to be a part of this team is found in verse eight where you'll notice that Jesus's top thing isn't wealth or intellect or popularity or skills, it's humility. You see, Peter, 
by admitting his sin and admitting his inability is showing a complete dependence on Jesus. You see, being used by Jesus starts with a deep understanding that you can't, but he can, right? And so if you wanna be on the team, it's just, it's a matter of saying, God, I, I bring nothing to the table. Like, it's not about what I bring to the table. I can't, but I know you can. And that's the posture that Jesus is able to take and to use. And so it makes me think about when I was in seminary, um, we had to do, like, people are like, why did you sell cars in seminary? Here's why, I'll tell you the story. I, we had to read 15 to 20 big, heady theological books a semester. And after each book, you had to sign a paper. So imagine reading a thick old book and then signing this paper and it said, I agree under God that I read every word thoughtfully and carefully. I did not merely skim the material, but maintained a full comprehension of what I read. Sign your name. And I was like, that's a lot. I like, guess the commitment under God. And so I was talking to another seminary student. And I was like, do you ever wanna lie on that thing? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I, was like, I mean, like, I know I read the book, but I, did I do it thoughtfully and carefully? Do I have full comprehension? I don't know. Sometimes I think about just signing it. And he goes, you might not be qualified for ministry if you think that. And I was like, like I gotta get out of this place. <laughs> so, so I went and sold cars because at least used car salesmen are like honest about not having it all together, right? And so I was like, I need to round some people that are like, I messed up, I know it, all right? Because this guy thought he had it all together and obviously didn't, right? So if you're like, why did your GPA stink in seminary? It's because I signed those things honestly. I was like, I didn't read that thoughtfully and carefully. And they're like, all right, you get no credit for that book. I'm like, dang it, right? But all that I said, didn't lie. So according to that guy, I'm still qualified. But all that to say is, look, when we don't, have it all together, when we can admit, I don't know what I'm doing, when we can admit, I don't have it all together, I don't know what I'm doing, Jesus, I can't, but you can, when we're in that posture, that's typically when Jesus is able to show off the greatest, right? When you know that you don't have it all together, when you show humility, not boasting in what you bring to the table, but what Jesus brings to the table, that's when Jesus typically shows off the greatest, then look at verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the last time they'd spend the day as just fishermen because they left everything to follow Jesus. Now look, not everyone is called to full-time ministry. Sometimes Jesus literally tells people, stay exactly where you are. Go back home and minister to the people you already know, All right? But every Christian is called to reprioritize their life to be like Jesus in the places they are. Not everyone is called to leave everything to go into full-time ministry, but we are all, as followers of Jesus, called to reprioritize every part of our life to be more like Jesus in the places we are. You see, following Jesus is a call to, radi to a radical recentering where our lives revolve around who he is what he has done and who we now are. That's what we see with the early disciples. There was a radical recentering of their lives where everything revolved around who Jesus is, what he has done and who they now are. All right, so how do we grow to be more like Jesus this year? Like, so if we, if we wanna be like the disciples, like how this thing all began in a boat, how can we be more like Jesus? Well, I think, I think about the Pez dispenser. All right, um, I don't know if, if you guys are Pez fans. All right, so we got my little elf and my Pez dispenser. Well, I've spent my whole life um, eating Pez. And so there's a way to do it where you unwrap 
the, the Pez. You guys know what I'm, you guys, are we tracking here? Just give me a nod. Are we all in on this? All right, well, you unwrap the Pez and you hold them in one hand, right? And they're stacked together, just a, a tower ready to collapse. And then you raise the, the top with your other hand, you're at one hand and you try to fit them in there, right? And then you're like, oh my goodness. And they just pop and they're like, oh, that's why I stopped using the dispenser. I just eat this thing by the sleeve. I'm just like, this is like, let's just forget that. Well, this year, a video went around viral, right? It went viral where someone took the Pez dispenser and showed the bottom and they simply placed the Pez in the bottom and then pushed the top down, removing the wrapper and then revealing that all the Pez were neatly in there. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? My whole life, I've been trying to awkwardly fit those things in there and all you have to do is use the bottom contraption and push this thing down. What in the world, right? Well, it turns out Pez released a follow-up video to the viral video and said, that doesn't work. Because everyone was trying it. They're like, what in the heck? And like, they're breaking these things. They're like, it doesn't work. There's no, there, it, there's, that person just used fancy videoing, editing techniques to make it look like it worked when it didn't, right? The truth is, via Pez's like, official Instagram account, the only way to do it is to awkwardly unwrap this thing, hold them together, and put it in there just like you've done your whole life. There is no other way around it. Right? Well, when it comes to being like Jesus, I feel like a lot of people are looking for the new trick. It's like, what's the new trick to be like Jesus this year? What's, is there some easy path that I somehow missed that if someone just showed me, I'd be like, ah, it's that easy. Like, is there some fancier way to do it? Well, the truth is, is to be more like Jesus, it's not about finding the new fancy thing. It's not about finding the easy path that you just might not have known about. It's about the old path. It's about the old path that we see at the very beginning of this movement in the boat in Luke chapter five. So I believe there are four things that we see that a follower of Jesus does. Four things that we need to do if we wanna grow in Christ's likeness. The first thing is this, growing in Christ involves learning from Jesus. In the first three verses, we see the posture of the people, the disciples, the learners, is that they are pressing in for the purpose of learning from Jesus. All right, so the first thing is growing in Christ involves learning from Jesus, pressing in to learn from Jesus and his word. So if we wanna grow in Christ's likeness, the first thing is we need to be people who are pressing in to learn from Jesus's word. The second thing, Growing in Christ involves obeying Jesus. In verses four and five, Jesus says to cast your net. It didn't make sense to Peter, but what did he do? He followed Jesus's lead. And I think that's so important for us to know. All right, obeying Jesus won't always make sense to what we can understand. Sometimes I think one of the biggest hindrances for people trusting and following Jesus is they don't have it all figured out. It's like, I just don't understand everything. How could he be both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three and one? Like, until I get that figured out, there's no way I'm trusting Jesus. Like, we have all these things where how could we make sense of the fact that God is good and all powerful and yet there's suffering in the world? Like, how does that make sense? And if, until I can wrap my head around that, I'm just not gonna follow Jesus. And all of a sudden we find ourselves because we don't have it all figured out that we stay just planted exactly where we are. 
But you see, Peter didn't have it all figured out. It actually didn't make any sense to him in what he knew of fishing. But even in that posture of not knowing everything, he chose to follow Jesus's lead because Jesus isn't just a teacher to learn from. He's not just a master to obey, he's Lord. And so we should follow him even if we don't have it all figured out. And so maybe, let me say this, maybe you're here today and, and you're kind of tiptoeing into Redeemer. Uh, maybe a friend's dragging you here. Maybe, maybe you're actually on the way out of church. And you're sitting there going like, I just don't have it all figured out. And that's the, that's the thing that's holding you back. Look, I want you to know that you can take a step towards Jesus with the truth you do know. It doesn't mean you know it all, but with what you do know, you have enough to take a step towards Jesus, whether it's for the first time or it's for the first time coming back. But I want you to know today, you can let this year be a year where you're saying, okay, it doesn't make sense all the time. I don't have it all figured out, but I just wanna be faithful. And I'm gonna take a step back towards Jesus. Or I'm gonna take a step towards Jesus for the first time. You can step towards Jesus with what you do know. But to grow in Christ's likeness, to grow in Christ, it involves obeying Jesus. The third thing is that growing in Christ involves worship. A disciple of Christ worships Jesus. The, the, the definition I like to use for discipleship is that a disciple worships Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, obeys Jesus, and teaches others to do the same. Right? That, that's my working definition of what it means to be a disciple or discipleship. Right? It's a disciple is someone who worships Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, obeys Jesus, and teaches others to do the same. And so discipleship involves, or growing in Christ involves worship. And that's what we see Peter do in verse 6. Or verse eight, in verse eight, what does Peter do? He falls to his knees because Jesus isn't just a teacher to learn from. He's not just an authority to obey. He is Lord and he's worthy of our worship. So growing in Christ involves learning from Jesus. Growing in Christ involves obeying Jesus. Growing in Christ involves worshiping Jesus. And the fourth and final thing is growing in Christ involves investing in others. Verse 10, growing in Christ involves investing in others. It's like, hey, you're gonna go, you're gonna pay this forward. You're gonna go and you're gonna, you're gonna invest in other people. You see, typically you catch a fish to do what, right? Unless you're a fly fisherman guy and those are your like clients. Like you're like, like, like all right, I'm gonna catch this fish. I'm gonna fillet it and smoke it. Like, like how many people have the Traeger grill? And like, I'm gonna smoke some salmon. I'm gonna smoke some trout this year. It's like you catch a fish to do what? To kill it and eat it. But Jesus says you're gonna catch fish, not to men, not to kill them, but to bring them to life, right? Like you're gonna catch them to bring them to life, right? And so he says, you're gonna invest your life in others. There's something called the protege effect. And so the protege effect is this. It means that learning something for the purpose of teaching it is one of the most effective ways to grasp material. Okay, so if you're like, I really wanna learn something, the best way to learn something is to learn it for the purpose of teaching it to others. And when you learn something, knowing you have to pay it forward, it helps you to grasp it personally in a more effective way. And so what we see is investing in others is Jesus's strategy for growth, both numerically, Right? As you invest in others and bring them to Christ, the church grows numerically, but also for you to grow spiritually because as you invest in others, 
paying for what you know and learning it in such a way that you can teach it to someone else, you're gonna grow spiritually as well, all right? So the four things that we wanna do this year, if we wanna be committed and have resolutions to be more like Jesus is we wanna learn from him, we wanna obey him, we we wanna worship, and we want to invest in others, all right? So how do we do that? How do we make this a smart goal? All right, well, let, let's just change it up because I, like, as a pastor, I like everything to start with the same letter. All right, so, um, so let's just give three M's, okay? If we want this to stick, if we want it to actually stick where this year we can become more like Jesus than we were last year, this goal that we set needs to be measurable, maintainable, and meaningful. Measurable, maintainable, and meaningful. So how do we press in to learn from Jesus? Well, one way that you can do that is through the Bible reading plan, right? The Bible reading plan is we read scripture together as a church, one chapter a day for five days a week throughout the whole year, and we get through the whole New Testament, is one thing is if you're checking off a chapter a day, can you measure that? Yes, all right? Two is, is that maintainable? Am I asking you to read three to five chapters a day, seven days a week? Nope, one chapter a day, five days a week, which gives you two days to either miss or catch up. Like, is it maintainable? Yes. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes, all right. All right, Um, so it's maintainable. Is it meaningful? Absolutely. Think about this. Think about if God never revealed himself. If If God was real, if God is real and he never revealed himself, we would just be walking around trial and airing this thing. Maybe God wants me to kill this animal. Like, all right, let's see if that works. Whack, like, does that do anything? Think he's still angry. Like, maybe God wants me to give away my resources. I'm just gonna like, is that working? We would just have to trial and air this thing constantly and be like, I don't know what I need to do to make God happy with me, right? We'd be, but God doesn't want us wandering around in ignorance. He doesn't want us wandering around just trial and airing this thing. He's like, I wanna reveal to you my heart. I wanna to reveal to you what's, what's gone wrong in the world and how I came to redeem it and to fix it through my son. I want you to know who I am and what I'm like, and I want you to know how to be like me. And his revelation to us is found in his word. Like, if this is what God's word is for us, is it meaningful? Yes. Like, yes, absolutely. This is meaningful. And then I got Quick story, I got a ticket like five years ago in Carter County and I had to go to the courthouse to do something like to get the ticket erased. And, and the, the, the sheriff that was leading that class goes, you can ask me any question, any question. And so the class started asking him questions. And like, is there a quota of how many tickets you have to get a year? And he's like, no, it's not true. There's not a quota of tickets. And people, and after a couple of questions, this lady goes, she could tell he was, he was being truthful. She could tell that he was being honest about ask me anything. And she goes, say, if I take an annex and smoke a joint, is that intoxicated driving? And he's like, yes, like, yeah, he was shocked. He's like, yes, that's intoxicated driving, right? I say that because is reading God's word meaningful? Same response. Yes, like, yes, it is meaningful, right? So this is measurable. This is something maintainable. This is meaningful. So the first thing I wanna encourage you to do is read God's word with us. Right, like maybe right now you're like, all right, on my phone, bitly.com forward slash 2022 reading plan, I'm in. Like, let's do this. One thing, press in to learn from Jesus's word. Second thing is, as a follower of Christ, we all have a next step of obedience to take. 
Every single one of us has a next step. We need to be prayerfully asking ourselves, okay, God, what step of obedience do I need to take? And maybe it's something short-term. I need to ask for forgiveness because I really messed up. Or maybe it's long-term. This sin is just holding my life and controlling it in a way that I don't need it to. And I need to break that. I don't know what it is, but every single person in here has a step of obedience. And so if we wanna be people who are obeying Jesus, we need to know, okay, so as we read God's word and we read imperatives, as we read commands, we need to think, okay, God, how do I apply this to my life? Is there a step of obedience? What is my next step? So two is what's your next step of obedience? Prayerfully be praying through that often. And I would say, who's someone in your life that can ask you that question too? Is there someone in your life that you trust to say, hey, would you just ask me every now and again, just check in and say like, hey, like, where's God calling you to obedience? Because I need to have an answer for that. Like, don't, don't, don't be the person that's all you ever say. It's like when you call and you screen it, you're like, know what this phone call's about. <laughs> you know? Like be the person who like invests in someone's life, but then at when the right time is to step in and say, okay, like, hey, let's talk about like obedience. Where's God calling you to that? You see, because God doesn't want us to be theological tadpoles. Let me explain what a theological tadpole is. A theological tadpole has a huge theological head because they read all the books, they read all the Bible, but they never have legs to walk it out. You see, when I say obey Jesus, take your next step of obedience, God intends for his word to make the 11 inch transition from our heads to our hearts and from our hearts to our hands and our feet. We all have something to walk out. So what's your next step of obedience? And the third thing is this, when we think about investing in others, if you are a part of a discipleship group with Redeemer, a question you're gonna have is who's your one? We want everyone at Redeemer to identify just one person that they will intentionally invest their life in. So one person, like who's one person that you can write their name down in your prayer journal, that you can write their name down on a sticky note and put it on your desk, that you can write down on a three by five card and put it in your bathroom mirror. Who's one person that you can say, I'm gonna pray for this person. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have small talk conversations with them just to get to know him better and to be there for him. But I'm gonna have an ear out for when that conversation can move from just small talk to significant talk. And I'm gonna really lean in to know when those moments happen that we can also have a spiritual conversation. And I'm gonna invest in this person until they know Jesus. And when they do know Jesus, I'm gonna keep investing in them so they can be more like Jesus. Who's your one? Look, is, is that something that's measurable? Yeah, write it down. <laughs> like, is it something that's maintainable? Yeah, you can, you can all take time once a week, twice a week, every day, just to, to pray for someone, to text someone that you know, someone that God has put in your life to know that you'll spend all eternity by their side worshiping King Jesus. Is that, is that meaningful? Sheriff in Carter County. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's meaningful. Yes, like, yes, these are meaningful things, right? These are things that if we do, I promise you, we can be more like Jesus this year than we were last but it's not about finding something new, something fancy or discovering some easy way. It's just like a Pez dispenser. It's just the good old work of getting back to the old way of unwrapping it, putting it in there and doing it like it's always been done for 2000 years. So will you resolve this year spiritually to be a person who is reading and learning from God's word? to be a person who is obeying and following Jesus. 
to be a person who is worshiping Jesus than to be a person who's investing in others. I hope you will. God, thank you for your word. God, we wanna be a church that's fueled by discipleship, but that's built by discipleship, but fueled by prayer. And God, as we talk this morning, everything, this is discipleship. God, this is, this is how you are going to build your church. It's through people worshiping you, being changed by you, obeying you and teaching others to do the same. And so God, as, as we strive this year to be more like Jesus this year than we were last, God, we, we want you to do it not just, not just for us, but God, for your glory and for the building of your church. God, for your kingdom to come, for, for heaven to invade the spaces that we're in. God, that's gonna happen through us growing to be more like Christ. So God, help us to be a people who are more like you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at redeemercommunity.com.